I don't care who you are, that's good stuff. So we are on our second night of our in-depth look in the book of James. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's different ways you can preach. There's thematic preaching where let's say you're going to preach on grace and you find scriptures that line up about grace. Or there's expository preaching where you go all the way through a whole passage and find out what that passage is saying. And sometimes if people don't really, they think expository preaching is not going to teach on their level or not going to apply to their life. But if we ever get to the point of thinking that any scripture is not applicable to our life, we've not yet understood what scripture really is. So this, this, this passage tonight in James chapter 1 is just the best it could possibly be for our prayer meeting or for increased season of prayer in our life. I want us to turn to James chapter 1 and I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. And then we're going to dig in tonight. The scripture says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The good thing about tonight is that all those double-minded people in your life... You're going to understand what makes them that way tonight. Do any of you know double-minded people? You'll meet them one week and they act one one way and the next week they act totally different. They're double-minded. Well, we're going to see what causes double-mindedness. What is the root of someone who acts one way in front of your face and another way behind your back? Uh, The Bible is going to help us understand that tonight. This first verse that we look at tonight, verse 4. In verse 4, we see three calls. The first call that we see is a call to think. Now, the scripture says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Here's the question. Who lacks wisdom? Well, if you're sitting there saying, I don't need no wisdom. You're the exactly one that it's talking about. (laughs) You're the person the scripture is referring to. If you can think all the way back to our message about the prodigal son, it said that the prodigal son came to his senses. This is the same thing that happens here in the call to ask. Scripture always is calling us to examine ourselves. You see, you may have been a Christian for 50 years and you think you got it all figured out. Rich Mullins, a famous Christian singer one time, he said, we don't have the Bible so that we can show that we're right. We have the Bible to show us we're wrong. And the more and more I I read Scripture, I don't figure out how much more I know. I figure out how little I do know. And that's what Scripture should be telling us. Scripture should be telling us about the greatness of God, not the greatness of us. So when we read Scripture... We should be saying, man, I lack wisdom. So there's a call to ask. You ask yourself, oh, I'm sorry, a call to think. You think first, is the scripture talking to me? 
If you're breathing and can hear me tonight, the scripture is talking to you. Whoever lacks wisdom. And I'll be the first one to say, I lack wisdom. Just ask my wife. That's all we have to go, right? All of us lack wisdom and we need it. The smartest people are people who know the limitations of their intelligence. Think about that. The man who really knows the most is the man who knows he knows the least. That's the wisest person. That's the smartest person. But the dumbest people are the ones that think they know it all. Do y'all have any know-it-alls in your life? Know-it-all can also be interpreted as father-in-law. I'm just kidding, okay? Maybe y'all have different father-in-laws, but... We all have people in our life that always think they know it all. I work with some people at the military base like this. You can say, man, I had two eggs for breakfast. And they're going to tell you that two eggs for breakfast is wrong. You need to have four eggs for breakfast. Because two eggs, you want, it doesn't matter what you say, they're going to come back with something. Man, I just put oil in my car. You put the wrong kind of oil in there. They know everything about everything. And what do they, they try to pretend to be smart. But they come off looking like a fool. I heard a great quote one time. It says, it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. You see, so, so you actually can appear smarter to people if we'll keep our mouth shut. Because sometimes we run our mouth and people are like, man, he really doesn't know a lot, does he? But if you're quiet, people will think, you're, hey, he's a smart guy. He doesn't say much. You know, they always equate uh, wisdom with people who are quiet a lot. Some of the wisest people I've ever met were the most quiet. They never spoke out of turn. But at the right moments, they would speak wisdom. And I think that's a gift. Wisdom is truly a gift. But there's other people that are open their mouth at the drop of a hat. And their mouth runs faster than their brain can keep up. So we first see in verse 4 a call to think. Secondly, we see a call to ask. If any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God. This may seem like an elementary concept tonight, but I want you to understand that it is a revolutionary concept when it comes to Christianity. From the time we are small children, we learn to be askers. Bella wakes up in the morning at 6.30 and says, she'll come into the bed with her blankie. Daddy, I want some candy. Can I have some candy? And she will ask until she gets candy. She'll ask for her water. We'll be, we'll be in the living room and Bella's in bed. It'll be 8.30 and she's like, Daddy. Daddy. I say, what do you want? Anything. <laughs> she just wants something. She wants a kiss. She wants me to come tell her a story. That's so sweet. Anything. You know, she's always asking. But then what happens? We become Christians. And we start becoming fearful to ask. I saw a show last night. It was called Cheapskates. About a guy who earns his living bartering with people. He will go into a donut shop and instead of paying a dollar for a donut, he'll say, can I recite poetry for you? And if it's good, will you give me a donut? And he'll recite a poem and they'll really like it. And you see, this guy is a genius when it comes to asking. 
He had a wedding that should have cost $20,000, but he bartered with people. He said, hey, can I... He went and got a free haircut. He said, if I sweep up the hair, can you cut my hair? And he did that for 30 minutes. They gave him a free haircut. Lisa, will that work at your place? <laughs> if I do that. But his wedding, which should have cost $20,000, only cost him 1800 out of pocket. Because he learned to simply ask people. You'd be amazed what you can get when you ask. And the same concept is true of God. When we see that we lack wisdom, the scripture should respond to us to ask for God. Ask God. You need wisdom in every circumstance in your life. You need wisdom to know what to do about a relationship situation. You need wisdom to know what to do about a financial situation. There's nothing in life that we don't need to do with wisdom. There's, we, we should be knowing wisdom when we figure out what to put in our bellies at lunch. That should be a, a part of our daily wisdom routine. But we... Learn from the time of young children to be askers. But here's the question. Have we forgotten to ask? There's so many needs that we have in our life. And sometimes here's what happened. We feel guilty and we don't go to God and ask for something in prayer because we don't feel like we've been living right. You know, we feel like, man, I I didn't read my Bible today. I, I can't really ask God in prayer. That's what happens. And that keeps us from our prayer time. You think because you messed up and said a cuss word yesterday or or because you got mad at somebody and yelled that God's angry at you and now you won't ask. But it's going to be interesting what Scripture shows us here in a moment. Have we forgotten to ask? I had always dreamed of proposing to my wife in a hot air balloon. And I'm not going to go into the long story. I'm going to do this fast forward and bring you up to date that we were... uh, uh, I got an engagement ring. We got in a hot air balloon. And I was so excited. I was so nervous. My biggest fear was opening up that box and this thing falling 2,000 feet over the balloon and landing in a cow pasture. That was my greatest fear. So here we're up in the air, 2,000 feet up in the air. And uh, I gave the guy the camera. If you ever want to see the video, I got it. It's not impressive. So I get the ring out of my pocket. And it's one that I got a little box with a button on it. You push the button. Right? So I, like Don Juan, get down and I say... And she doesn't say anything. (laughs) I'm like, oh gosh, the ring's too small or something like that, you know. So she's just looking at it and I say, baby, it's always been my dream to propose to you in a hot air balloon. She keeps looking at me. She says, were you going to ask me or not? (laughs) See, I had forgot to ask. I had got so caught up in the dreaminess of the situation that I forgot to actually ask the question. And then I said... Will you marry me? The key here is that we must ask in order to receive. I mean, I believe God is a mind reader. But he's waiting for us to ask. Have we forgotten to ask? There's three things that asking requires. First, asking requires boldness. If you're going to ask God for something, you've got to be pretty bold that you're going to go talk to the creator of the universe and ask him for something. But the scripture says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace because of the righteousness of Jesus. And if somebody can catch this concept tonight, it's going to revolutionize your prayer life. That God is not angry with you and God is not ready to discipline you. God is waiting for you to ask. 
It requires boldness. It requires courage. Because the flesh is going to tell you, man, you don't deserve what you're going to ask God for. Maybe you're going to ask God for a miracle in your married life. And flesh is going to say, you don't deserve that. But the spiritual courage is going to overcome it and tell you that you're worthy because of Christ's righteousness. Boldness requires courage and it requires action. At some point, you actually have to take a step of faith and ask. Maybe, maybe sometime in your life, you've, you've, I remember my mom, she changed jobs and she was making $10,000 less and on and on. And she needed certain budget and she had worked at a place for a year. Finally, she, she went, built up the courage and went to her manager and asked for like a, like a $8,000 raise. She's like, look, I, I made sacrifices to come here. My f- I need this for my family. And, and she asked for $8,000 raise. And he said, okay. You know, she was so nervous about it. That it had prevented her so long from asking. But once she took the action to go ask. He realized her, her courage. And he knew she was a good employee. And granted her her request. You see, God knows the needs that you have in your life. But until you have the courage to go take the action of asking, we won't receive it. So we see a call to think, a call to ask, and they're a call to receive. Look in verse 4. The last part, it says, it will be given to him. If any of you lacks, he should ask. It will be given to him. Does anybody need a pocket knife? Anybody need a pocket knife? Justin, do you have a pocket knife you carry? You do? Chris, do you have one you carry? Heather, do you have one you carry? A girl needs a pocket knife now. A girl needs a pocket knife, right? You got This one's really easy. It fits in your... Would you like to have this? It's a free pocket knife. Just, just, just ask me. Just, just, just ask, ask me for it right quick. Just ask me. No. You see, we've asked a lot of people. I'm sorry, I had to use you as an illustration, right? We've had to ask a lot of people for things in our life and got turned down. And you know what we think? We're like, what if God says no? It's not what the scripture says. Tonight we're talking specifically about wisdom. The scripture says, when you ask God, he will give it. It shall be given to him. It's not a call to wonder. It's a call to receive. You can receive wisdom. You may feel like you're, you're, uh, maybe you feel like you've not done good in school. Maybe you've never been a really smart student. But I'm going to tell you tonight, when you can ask the wisdom of God, God can give it to you. I don't care what your, uh, your sister-in-law said about you. You can be wise. Is there any instance in Scripture where Jesus refused to heal someone? I want you to think right quick. Think of an instance in Scripture where Jesus refused to heal someone. When you get it, raise your hand. Who? Refused to heal Paul? In what circumstance? Well, this was after Jesus has already ascended. In 
Now, now, Paul eventually was healed. Or are you talking about the thorn in the flesh? That, well, and that's a matter of debate among scholars. But as far as Jesus' personal ministry, where people came to him for healing. There's not a single instance where someone came to Jesus for healing that they were refused. And I want you to understand this concept about Jesus and this concept about God. When you come to God asking for wisdom, you will not be refused. There's a call to receive inherent in Scripture. Some think they are not worthy of charity. I've, I've met people who've been going through financial situations. We found about it and, and our church has tried to help them out. And they say, I don't want charity. They think they're too good for charity. You see, in Scripture, none of us are too good to receive it. You may not feel worthy to receive charity, but it's not because you are worthy. It's because God is worthy, because Christ is worthy, and that's why He gives it to you. We stop asking God because we don't think we are under His favor. We've looked, this is a common theme. We've looked over and over in Scripture again that, that if you are under the grace of God, you are under His favor, not because you earned it, but because He's good. See, and we've raised a generation of Christians who've, who've come to believe that the, the, if they're not living according to the rules, that God's going to be angry at them. I want to go ahead here. In the middle of verse 4, it says this. Who gives generally to all without finding fault. Your scripture may say, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. What, baby? Oh, is that verse 5? Oh, I'm sorry, verse 5. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Without reproach means he doesn't look to find fault to see if he can give it first. Now, if I were going to give $20 to the most best looking person in here, I'd go around. Fred Talent would probably be high on the list. Some of the individuals like that. But I would look for faults. I would look for maybe, you know, if Stephen didn't put his makeup on tonight or something like that. But I would look to find faults and then see who would deserve it. God doesn't look to find fault. He doesn't look and say, okay, I'm going to see my children tonight. And whoever hasn't lived right, I'm not going to give to them. It says without reproach, without hindrance, without finding fault does he give. God does not see your faults when you ask. He sees Jesus because the blood of Jesus has clothed you. And this is going to set somebody free tonight. Whenever you come to God in prayer, we always start prayer like this. God, I'm so sorry for the way I've been acting. God, I'm so sorry for the things I've done. That's not boldness. You need to get over the things you've done and understand He's worthy because He earned it and you're not going to earn it. If we, how would you like this if, if, if your friend came to you every time and said, Man, I've been talking about you behind your back. I've just been lying to your face. What kind of relationship would that be if every time you came to God, you're telling him how bad you are? Guess what? He already knows how bad you are. That's why Jesus came for you. He doesn't have to be reminded how bad you are. (laughs) He already knows what you've done and he still loves you anyway. So come to him with open arms. Stop, Stop trying to remind him like he doesn't know. 
And some people say, man, I've asked people, I said, you know what? Do you know if you die right now, you'd go to heaven? Man, I don't know because I've just been, um, I've been living wrong. I've got to ask forgiveness. I haven't asked forgiveness for this thing. If you are a Christian, you are forgiven. Your sins are already forgiven if you're a Christian. And I've preached this before. If every sin, if after you become a Christian, then God starts adding up sins again, and you don't uh, ask for forgiveness before you die, we'd all go to hell because we sin every day and forget to ask for forgiveness. But you're already forgiven as a Christian. Past, present, future, your sins are wiped away. He now sees Jesus. And we feel like, man, I can't go to church unless I ask for forgiveness. We come to church not because we're worthy, but because we're not worthy. So we see in the verse 5, three calls. Let's go on to verse 6. And like I said, I thank my wife for calling me out. If I mention a wrong verse, y'all correct me so we can all be on the same page. Verse 6, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. When he asks, he must believe. Somebody say believe. You know, I've always known that as a speaker, the way people respond is the way you preface it. Now, what if I said this? Someone say believe. See, if I did my Joel Osteen voice, someone just say believe. But if I say, somebody say believe, people respond accordingly. I like that. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. In verse 6, we have two instructions for having our prayer answered. The first instruction is the instruction of ability. He must believe. You see, simply praying does not accomplish anything. You can be a Catholic and you can say 50 Hail Marys. It does not accomplish anything. What accomplishes it is not repetition of prayer, but prayer and faith. The instruction of ability is that first you must believe. You say, preacher, well, I believe God. I believe God is good. I believe God is good. Do you really believe God is going to answer your prayer? Here's what I tell people. When I pray for something, now, unless it, uh, let's say someone's... Uh, uh, in the hospital with cancer. Now that, I'm going to go repetitiously to the Father. I'm going to intercede. That's a difference. Intercession. But here's the deal. If, if there's a need in my life. Let's say, let's say I shared with you. Did, did I share with you guys last week that uh, our medical insurance company said we would not have medical insurance for a year? Did I, sh- I don't know if I shared that or not. Um, last week was really tough. I preached about trial and temptations when we were really, really going through it. Our medical insurance company called us and said that because something happened in December with our move and we didn't get the right piece of paperwork, they were going to cancel our insurance for a year. Now, I prayed. I said, God, I know you're going to fix this. I know you can fix this. And I'm believing for a miracle. Can I share with you today? I got off the phone. They said our insurance is reinstated and we'll even back pay January and December. See, I wasn't worried about it. 
Because my God is bigger than the insurance companies. My God is bigger than my financial needs. My God already has a solution. And he puts opportunities in your life just to test your faith. You have to believe. We believe in a lot of things every day. An atheist will say, man, I don't have faith. No, you have faith. You got faith in a lot of things. For example, you have faith in doctors. I went the other week to the doctor in December for a colonoscopy. Believe me, that took a lot of faith. They're going to put me on some kind of medicine, knock me out, and I'm not going to be conscious of anything. I want to know they know what they're doing. You know what? I didn't go to school with that doctor. I didn't see all the classes he went to. I didn't see his degrees hanging up on the wall. But I had faith because of his practice and because of his his, uh, reputation that he was going to do the right thing. You have faith in a lot of things. We have faith in our medicines. You go to the pharmacist and you you got some medicine that costs a thousand dollars, but your copay is now thirty. Tell me how that makes sense. And you're gonna put this in your body. It could be rat poison for all you know. How do you know it's not rat poison? Were you there when the pharmacist when the when the drug company made it? You don't know. See, you have faith. And you act upon it. You act upon your faith every day without even knowing it. You get in your car. Did you hear about some guy in a car and they, they recalled it and his car blew up? His car blew up about a, a 25-year-old young man. Uh, hadn't had it for several years. And he was just cranking a car, riding to work one day. The thing blew up on him. I, I'm having faith my car ain't going to blow up on me when I get in, and go home tonight. You see, I'm having faith that the Toyota engineers uh, knew what they were doing. But our faith determines our actions. But here's your, your faith will determine your prayers. He must believe. That what you're asking of God, God's going to do it. And I tell people, listen, there's something in your life. You don't go from every day and say, oh God, I need you to fix this. I, need I say, God, I'm asking for a miracle. And then I believe he's going to answer it. And I leave it alone. How would you feel if, if you, uh, your, your, your sibling you know, needed, needed a car. And they came to you every day asking for a car. Every day. That'd get on your nerves, wouldn't it? If they knew you were a good, a good person and they needed a car, all they got to do is come one time and you're, they're going to know that you're going to give them a car. But see, what we do is we believe that we have to pray in, in vain to God. We don't believe God heard us yesterday, so we're going to come back today and keep telling the same thing over and over. Believe that what you ask will be answered and walk away from in faith. There's been some people... They come down to this altar and pray. And we need more, matter of fact. We, we always need people at the altar and I'll pray. But you, you see, a lot of times people will come and pray at the altar and they'll get up and they'll walk away and take their problem with them. When you come to the altar, leave your problem at the altar and know God can take care of it. Don't take your problem back home with you. Don't go back home the same way you came in here. So the instruction of ability is he must believe and he must not doubt. Doubt is from the devil. I'm going to tell you why. The first human beings, Adam and Eve, they were fine with God. They trusted God. They believed. I came up with a little rhyme. Eve believed until the serpent deceived. Deception came from the devil. Doubt came from the devil. God said, don't eat from that tree. Serpent said, you can eat from that tree. Eve started to doubt. You see, our spiritual doubt is from the devil. 
Any doubt that we have in our Christian life is a result of the devil getting in your mind and playing with you. Don't let the devil interrupt your Christian life. You know what I'm mad about right now? I'm mad there's not more people to hear this message because I'm a little fired up. See, that's what we got to get across to people because, you know, your faith said, your faith said, I'm going to come here tonight and I'm going to get a blessing. Ain't that the truth? You didn't come here tonight to, uh, so you could be bored or so you could, you know, just be filled with garbage. You want to receive a word from the Lord that's going to empower you. And if people will have the faith that know the preaching of the word of God is going to increase their life, we'll start seeing attendance increase. But the rest of us must display that faith too. We see instruction of ability. And secondly, in verse 6, we see instruction of stability. When you don't doubt, you will be stable. But if you doubt, he's like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. When people are instable, it's because you doubt. You know, uh, uh, Tiffany, I can imagine when you're, when you're up there pitching a softball that you're confident that ball is going to go where you throw it, right? Now, last night I, I, I went to a, uh, a basketball gym and played, played basketball for the first time like over a year. And I know I'm not good at basketball, but you know what I kept telling myself? Confidence breeds confidence. If I think I'm bad, I'm going to play like I'm bad. But you know what I said? I said, I might not have done this for a year, but I sure am going to try hard tonight. And I got out there and played. I scored two goals. Don't know how they went in. It was like a miracle. But I said, you know, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to charge the court because when I was young, I was timid. I'd be afraid to shoot and stuff. That doesn't do anybody good. You're unstable in all your ways. Confidence in what you do. Confidence when you pray. If you've ever felt like your life is an up and down battle, like your life is unstable, it doesn't have to be. We can be stable. And it shows us how. Verse 7, that man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Your lack of faith relates to your lack of blessing. Say, why is someone blessed and I'm not? People who are blessed have faith. People who are not blessed do not have faith. Now, I'm not talking about, I believe there's Christians in China right now that the government is maybe seizing their home because they had a secret church meeting in there. You can say, well, that doesn't line up with your theology, Pastor Jesse. That's not what I'm talking about. That Chinese person is blessed because God's getting the glory through their faith. It doesn't matter what you do for the gospel, God will get the glory. Matter of fact, I forgot. I'm going to do this with my good conscience. There was a friend that told me tonight to pray for Anderson Grove Church in Albemarle. Their church is going through a really tough time. I'm going to pause a moment. I'm going to pray for them. And I believe, I told him, I said, no matter what happens in your church, God is going to get the glory. He said, you know what? You're right. But I'm going to pray for them just for a moment because I told him our church would do that. Father God, I'm sorry for forgetting this today. I lift up my friend in Anderson Grove Church in Albemarle. God, even right now as we're having prayer meeting, I pray that you're with their uh, uh, council that's going on tonight. That God, your Holy Spirit would be evident and upon them and your will would lead and guide them in all they say and do. And Father, most of all, that you would receive the honor and glory. Amen. Hey, it's okay to interject because it's prayer meeting, all right? So... The lack of faith leads to lack of blessing. I want you to read this verse like this, and I'm going to tell you when to stop. It's talking about a man who doubts. So let's look at it. That man should not think. Stop. 
<laughs> I like that part. If someone doubts, they should not think. Period. You know why? Because thinking gets people into trouble. Why didn't you do that, son? Well, I thought, you know. Don't tell me what you thought. Give me an answer. Why didn't you show up to Sunday school? Well, I thought, you know, I could use a little sleep. See, it's not about thinking. It's about action. That man should not think because his doubting thoughts are going to lead to doubting actions. I would leave it there. He should not think, period. But his lack of faith leads to lack of blessing. God gives to those who are certain about his character. Who's, who's the nicest person you know in your life? Somebody, somebody raise, raise their hand and tell me the nicest person you know in your life. Yes. Preacher Abe. I guarantee it. Who else? Some of the nicest people you know. I'm, I'm offended you didn't say my name. No, I'm just kidding. Who, who else has someone the nicest person you know in your life? Yes. Lillian Vermillion. Who else? One more. Rachel Smith. Right? Think about the sweetest people you know. You know their heart. You know their goodness. Well, Heather, I'm pretty sure if you went to Preacher Abe and say, Preacher Abe, I'm going on a mission trip and we need some Bibles. I guarantee Preacher Abe will find some Bibles. You know why? Because you have confidence in his character. You see, your understanding of God's character determines the way you approach him. When you know that God gives liberally, you're going to ask him liberally. It's because of his character. Last verse. Verse 8. It says, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Interesting, in the Greek, this word for double-minded is di-psychos. Two psyches. Two minds. We think of double-mind as a split mind, but... Two minds mean they actually have two brains they're trying to operate. One brain says, well, let me ask God. The other brain says, but I doubt I'll get anything. You see the difference here? One brain says, let me give you an illustration. There were two farmers that prayed for rain. They prayed for rain. One farmer plowed his field, sowed crops. The other didn't. Who do you think got rain? The one who acted. You see, this one prayed for rain, but he didn't really think God was going to send it. I've been at youth, youth events where I, I've seen people pray for 100, but yet they prepared for 50. God always responds in accordance to your faith. You know, how many are we praying for? I talked to a guy today from a church and he said, man, are their church experience significant growth, but they weren't ready for it. You see, here's what I'm doing in my mind. I know God's going to send growth. So what do we need to do? We need to get the infrastructure prepared. We need to start providing new Sunday school classes. So if God sends 75 new people, we got some place to disciple them. You don't wait till the people get here and then say, oh, let's run around and figure things out. Go ahead and start acting in faith, believing God's going to send people. Dipsychos literally means two minds or two souls split in half. When we pray, but we doubt that we're going to get anything, we're like a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know, that's an example of biblical psychology here. Sigmund Freud probably never even read this. 
You know, he said all problems was because your mama treated you wrong. Or your daddy spanked you too much. I think there's a big problem because people don't get spanked enough in this world today. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? If you got a whooping when you was a kid, raise your hand. And if you're not, I know why you are the way you are. See that? So we see biblical psychology and then we see biblical anthropology. Anthropology means study of the man. Anthony, do you have an anthropology class you got to take for school? I know a lot of times you have to take a sociology. Do you see anything on the registrar for anthropology? You're in sociology right now? Yeah. Sociology is the study of masses. Psychology is the study of the mind. Anthropology is the study of the man. Here's the study of the man from Scripture. It says he's unstable in all he does. Any external problem comes from an internal problem. What psychology modern days tries to do, if there's a behavior, they try to correct the behavior. Anybody watch this show, Hoarders? Anybody see that? Y'all need to watch it because it's going to make you feel better about yourself. You may say, man, my house dirty. You watch that, you watch that show and you're going to say, I live in a palace. People who literally have so much stuff, they can't even get into their living room. Can't even get to their bed. They sleep on a recliner now because they can't even get there. On and on and on. So what do they do? They send in a psychologist that tries to correct their hoarding problem. But you can't correct an external problem unless you focus on the internal root. It's like trying to chop down weeds. See, I had a bunch of these random flowers growing up in my front yard. So I said, you know what? I'll just cut them all down really close and kill them. You know what happened? Them flowers came back. Because I went to the visible and not the source. Every external problem has a source. I guarantee you people who are hoarders have bad self-esteem, have low self-confidence. There's a lot of things causing this action that they need to be talking about. Any external problem comes from an internal problem. And lastly, if you will not trust God, you will have a problem trusting anything. See, if you know there's a God who created you, there's a Savior who died on the cross for your sins. And if we have problems trusting that God, we're going to have problems trusting people. You'll have problems trusting friends. You'll have problems trusting a future wife or a future spouse or a current spouse. But if you can trust God, God will help you learn to trust others. What can we take away from this tonight? What we got to understand is when we ask specifically for wisdom, we cannot doubt. Don't doubt. Go to God. I go to God every day and say, God, I need strength for today. Every time I prepare a sermon, I say, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom to prepare a sermon. And I believe he does it. Then I don't sit and fiddle around saying, oh, what am I going to do? I look at the scripture and I say, God, what is the wisdom in this? Can you speak to me? I believe he's going to give it to us. Here's what I want to do tonight. I believe like we started off, every one of us, every one of us needs wisdom. Every one of us in here. If we can be wiser, it's going to increase everything in our life. It's going to increase your, your financial ability, your, your social ability, your intellectual ability. We all need wisdom. I want us to have a closing time of prayer and to really ask in faith. And I think 
45, 50 people are going to walk out of these doors wiser than when we walked in. I just want to have a few closing moments of prayer where we ask God for wisdom, having faith that he will give it. Wisdom for a situation you're going through. Wisdom to speak to a family member that's going through a problem. Whatever it is, let's ask right now. Dear Jesus, we ask as your children. And I'm reminded of the scripture that says, If evil men will give good gifts to their children, how much more will you as Father in heaven give good gifts to yours? Tonight, Lord God, we pray specifically for wisdom. And I believe that every single person in here who asks without doubt is being increased in their spiritual ability. They're being increased in their wisdom right now. God, I pray that you would help us to use it in whatever situation we need. God, give us the wisdom to witness the lost people. Give us the wisdom to speak truth and encouragement to others. Give us the wisdom to do what we need to do to grow the ministry here for your kingdom. I thank you for everyone who is here tonight. God, send them away with a special blessing. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...